Hello, and welcome to your next episode of Fixing Fitness with Kelly, the show that serves up real talk about fitness with a focus on why traditional fitspo just doesn't serve women in their 30s. Let's talk about what we can really do to get results that make all the effort worth it. Get more on the website at kellymarieroach.com, including exclusive access to my head-to-toe mobility routine when you download my free guide to the five worst exercise cues in the fitness industry. And tune into the Kelly M. Roach YouTube channel for weekly videos offering fresh perspectives on fixing fitness topics. Hey, you guys, welcome back for season three, episode three of the Fixing Fitness with Kelly podcast. Did any of you see the movie, I think it was on Netflix, called Don't Look Up? Um, It came out, I think, in the last couple of years with Meryl Streep and Leonardo DiCaprio and Jennifer Lawrence, and it was about the asteroid that um, Jennifer Lawrence found, and Leonardo DiCaprio was, I think, like her academic advisor or something, and so they went on this national tour. They went to see the president trying to warn everybody that it was coming, and then they found themselves up against basically a big political campaign to keep the people from finding out that it was true. And at one point in the movie, Leonardo DiCaprio, he's doing a TV interview and he kind of loses it. And I, he screams, what have we done to ourselves? And when I was researching the podcast for today, I found myself thinking and feeling like Leonardo DiCaprio did in that moment. If you follow me on Instagram, you might have seen that I shared on my stories yesterday that I was having a hard time with this one. Um, because the subject matter I've found in educating myself about it has really been a lot more prevalent in my life from, I mean, as far back as sixth grade to now than I ever realized that it was. And I have a feeling for some of my listeners that you might find yourselves in the same boat. So I'm excited to talk about it. I think this is one of those things where I, as much as I prefer to do the happy podcasts and the fun ones and share things with you guys that you can get up and say, I can't wait to go and implement that. I think there are also sometimes these more difficult areas where we have to really look hard at our own lives and maybe be willing to do a little bit more work, um, things that are a little bit less performative and a little bit more down in the weeds and in some cases kind of shocking. So that is the subject matter we're getting into today. We're going to be talking about fat talk, which was a topic that, um, or a phrase rather, a terminology that I had never heard of until about two weeks ago. So we're going to get into that. Um, And I do want to offer just a trigger warning, an opportunity for anybody who thinks that they might be triggered by this topic. Uh, Feel free to click off, go and check out one of our other episodes uh, to listen to today. And... um, join us again next week. So without further ado, let's go ahead and get into season three, episode three, Fat Talk. A little over a year ago, I was at a networking dinner. The ratio of men to women was disappointing as always. And very much like at a seventh grade homecoming dance, I found myself off to one side of the room chatting with the women near the bar. The handful of women I was speaking with included high-powered C-suiters, directors, and administrators, an intelligent, diverse, and highly skilled group to be sure. But the topic of conversation left me stupefied. They were talking about their diets. In particular, the devastating effects of binging on breakfast cereal and snack bars. 
The dissonance between their nervous twittering and self-deprecating quips and the way I'd seen these women run a boardroom and manage the behind-the-scenes happenings for an entire company left me deeply uncomfortable. How can such intelligent, capable women be reduced to bonding over their fear of breakfast cereal? I didn't know until very recently that the scientific community has given this behavior a name and studied its impacts in depth. Fat talk has been defined in a few different ways, but loosely, it is any informal dialogue during which individuals express body dissatisfaction. More specifically, from one of the papers I'll discuss today, quote, the term fat talk is used to describe any speech that implicitly or explicitly reinforces or endorses the thin ideal standard of female beauty that is promoted in Western culture. Fat talk can appear to be either critical, example, she's too fat to wear that skirt, or seemingly complimentary, example, I wish I was as thin as you. I found one eye-opening paper that was published back in 2006 entitled Fat Talk and Self-Presentation of Body Image. Is there a social norm for women to self-degrade? Bracing myself for what I was about to read, I took several hits just in the introductory paragraphs. Rather than try to summarize, I'd like to just read them to you here. Evidence of widespread body dissatisfaction can be found daily in the numerous individual and collective weight loss rituals in which women engage, including the discussion of bodies and weight control. Women socializing in female social circles frequently complain about their bodies or trade weight management tips. This weight discourse, termed fat talk by Nikter and Vukovic in 1994, typically includes speaking negatively about one's body and is heard at varying ages in diverse female social groups. Fat talk has even been documented in female athletes who paradoxically seem to have a positive body image. In this context, fat talk is a means of engaging or joking with the team and eliciting validation from team members. If body dissatisfaction is considered normative, women may self-degrade in an attempt to conform to a perceived social norm that will help them fit in with a group. Eagley adds that female conformity may reflect a commitment to preserve group harmony and enhance positive feelings among group members. Complaining about one's body may be adaptive for adjustment in many female groups. Furthermore, Nikter and Vukovic in 94 emphasized that females not only criticize their bodies, but they discuss attempts to improve their bodies whether or not they actually are. Now that article also cited a 2000 paper in which an ethnographic study of middle school girls engaging in fat talk found that some girls believed that if they were silent when in a group of girls speaking negatively about their bodies, their silence would imply that they believed themselves to be perfect or could be misinterpreted as a form of bragging. Thus, they justified their modesty by complaining about their personal body image. And interestingly, this finding was more or less replicated in adult women who seemed to use fat talk as a form of impression management or altering the way one speaks and acts in order to make a certain impression. So... Speaking negatively about one's body to elicit validation and acceptance. Self-degradation as a means to fit in because self-degrading behavior is considered normal while self-confidence is not. 
How did we get here? This paper noted that as of 2006, there had only been two experimental studies of fat talk. Now, I'll have to take the author's word for that, but even so, these results shockingly tracked with what I've experienced throughout my life and the experiences I've witnessed women close to me have. What these papers invariably found as well was that despite all of the social reasons given for engaging in fat talk, women who either engaged in or were exposed to fat talk walked away feeling worse about their bodies than if they'd engaged in or been exposed to neutral topics of conversation. So women are routinely, from quite a young age, engaging in behaviors that make us feel like crap because we feel like if we don't, we're going to be ostracized. And ostracized by who, you wonder? The papers I reviewed didn't come right out and say it, but reading between the lines and drawing from personal experience, I'd have to say we're primarily concerned with the opinions of other women. And before you rally the troops with loving and inclusive battle cries, stop and check yourself. Because even if you haven't outwardly shamed someone for their food choices or the way they dress or whether or not they exercise, have you ever thought it? Have you ever privately judged a woman who is confident in her body and doesn't engage in fat talk with others? Consider the networking dinner experience I shared at the start of this episode. I will fully admit that I succumbed to the urge to feel included in the conversation. Even trying to couch my statements in motivational reassurances about their bodies, I was still engaging in fat talk. And I've also found myself in situations where I've been the person who tries to steer the conversation away from fat talk and took abuse for that too. If I remember correctly in one particular situation, the direct quote was, you have a thigh gap so you don't get an opinion. For all of the girl power that seems to be taking over in 2023, there's a lot of insidious behaviors that we're ignoring, and it's doing us a lot of harm. Another paper stated, quote, Research indicates that body dissatisfaction is correlated with and often predictive of both physical and mental health problems. Fat talk, a well-studied form of body image talk in adolescents and university-aged women, has been implicated as contributing to body dissatisfaction and mediating the relationship between body dissatisfaction and other mental health problems. So in addition to creating a bizarre sort of social pecking order, the body dissatisfaction we experience after being exposed to fat talk may even go so far as to cause mental health issues. The hypocrisy of championing mental and emotional health and well-being while still engaging in fat talk can't be denied. And if all of that wasn't bad enough, a study published in 2013 took this a step further to analyze the impacts of old talk, which is a lot like fat talk, but the dissatisfaction with one's appearance is age-related instead of weight-related. The authors highlight youth as another dimension of idealized female attractiveness, or for our purposes, simply the young, thin ideal. The results of that study found that, quote, women who reported greater levels of fat talk and old talk were also more likely to report higher levels of thin ideal internalization, self-objectification, appearance aging anxiety, drive for thinness and eating disorder pathology, as well as decreased body satisfaction. 
That paper also discussed how which dimension of the young, thin ideal women focus on seems to evolve with age. While women are younger, they are focused on the thin ideal because youth is still on their side. Middle-aged women seem to get the shortest end of the stick, equally preoccupied with youth and thinness. And as women age, they become more concerned with youth than thinness. So basically, our cultural obsession with standards of youth and thinness has us set up to fail at every age. As of 2023, only three studies had examined the effects of old talk, including the one just mentioned. While these studies all found correlations between fat talk and old talk, they also implied that old talk may be its own beast. That is, engaging in fat talk doesn't necessarily mean that someone is going to engage in old talk, and vice versa. A fourth study was just published earlier this year in May of 2023, which sought to more closely examine the association of engaging in fat talk and old talk with body dissatisfaction, eating disorder pathology, depression, and other mental health and health-related quality of life indicators in adult men and women. What they found was that in women, fat talk and eating disorder pathology body dissatisfaction, and poorer quality of life were all significantly associated regardless of age. Of these outcomes, old talk was only significantly associated with eating disorder pathology. This seems to underscore the likelihood that old talk is separate and distinct from fat talk and may therefore be cause for other concerns, particularly aging anxiety and poor body image among women as they age. I would like to see more studies on the interaction between the social norm of self-degradation seen with use of fat talk in the context of old talk. I've experienced conversations with women in their late 30s where they draw attention to how tired they look, how worn down they look, and how they're starting to show their age. And it always comes across as though they want their cohorts to know that they are aware of it so no one judges them for it later. A form of getting ahead of the joke, so to speak. So it wouldn't shock me at all if this was another variation of expressing body dissatisfaction just to fit in, which I think continues to be my biggest issue with everything we've discussed to this point. Fat talk and old talk are, in and of themselves, dangerous to our quality of life. But the fact that the primary driver for engaging in either of them seems to be our need to conform to a social standard is really difficult to swallow. How are we supposed to rise up and take control of our mental and emotional health and our physical well-being when our acceptance into society seems to demand that we do the opposite? Do enough women have to be brave enough to go first and risk the social ostracizing until enough of them have been pushed out that they can create a beacon of hope for the women who want to join them? Or is it simpler than that and it's just the lack of awareness of the issue? I have vivid memories of fat talk amongst my peers as early as age 11, and throughout adolescence and early adulthood, it came up more times than I can count. But what I remember about those experiences was the way it either bonded you to other women if you participated, or made you feel like the freak if you didn't. I was always in reactive mode, approaching the discussions from the perspective of social acceptance without ever really giving much thought to, one, what I actually thought about the topic, or two, how the topic made me feel. If we can spread the word and bring awareness to these things, is that enough to stop it? 
Or are the social norm and cultural ideal too deeply ingrained? If each listener shares this episode with just one other woman in their life, and each of those women share it with one woman, and so on, maybe enough of us will wake up to what's going on that we can actually do something about it. Because the social media pep rally for girl power is great, but only if we're continuing to do the work at the micro level and make real changes that support our growth and strength. Because if we're still pushing each other out and sniping over thigh gaps, then all the rest is just fanfare. I usually like to end these podcasts on a bit of a high note by maybe drawing more attention to a point that was made in the podcast that I think is particularly significant or interesting or actionable in your own lives. And this one just kind of catches at the back of my throat. I don't I don't want to drag it out and harp on it because I think it's pretty powerful and packs a punch just as it is. So I hope that you found something in here that has woken you up to something either, you know, something that you are engaging in or something that people in your social circle are engaging in. And I hope that this is something that we can all wake up to together and just find strength in standing firm, being that woman who's not engaging in it, being the woman who is pushing back and saying that she is confident in her body, that she feels strong and happy in her body, and she's not afraid to eat the breakfast cereals and the ice cream and have dessert, and that her body is wonderful and strong just because she has one, not because it is living up to this thin, young, um, young, thin standardization of female beauty and attractiveness. So again, a little bit of a heavier podcast this week, but um, probably one of the most important ones that I have done yet. So thank you for listening. Um, Definitely pass it on to a woman in your life that you think it would be helpful to. And I will be back with another new episode next week. In the meantime, you can find me on Instagram at kellym.roach dropping content for you guys over there daily and sharing information and funsies on my stories. And I would look forward to having you over there. So see you on Instagram and I'll be back again with another episode next week. Bye-bye.